Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. good and we've been um, for the first term of this year we've been just celebrating uh, the church we've been celebrating the fact that Jesus loves his church that the church is the vehicle uh, to be empowered in and then to go from the church to the world like the church is not the destination and it's not just about more bums on seats on a Sunday but Jesus loves his church and we wanted to identify and, and, and value what the church means to him in this season. So we're going to just look into uh, doing that just uh, 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 this morning in this, um, in this message. And in the book of Ephesians, there's actually four different metaphors in that book of what the church looks like and what the framework for the church is. And so the four metaphors, just quickly, and then we'll break them open, is family, body, bride, and army. So that's how God sees you guys. That's how He sees you this morning. So we know and we uh, all experience and hope that you've experienced and will continue to experience here at Thrive that, that this church is a family. That we're not just a bunch of individuals just kind of seeing each other just on Sundays, but that we actually make an effort to love one another, to know one another, to understand one another, and to even know each other's needs. You know, that that we would be a, a group of people that are actually, you know, the call to family may even at times be a higher truth than a difference of opinion. You know, like we just, when we have a disagreement, it doesn't mean that we just run off and go somewhere else because, you know, our theology didn't quite line up or our perspectives didn't line up. But because we're a family, we are called to one another. So it's really important to know, like, am I called to this family? Because there's other great families um, in this community. So if you are, yeah, you, we love you. That's awesome. So the, the next analogy is the body. And um, the family uh, has diversity. Like a body, the Bible says, where an ear cannot be a foot. Because an ear can't, you can't walk on your ear, you can't listen with your foot. Although sometimes our feet smell, so maybe they're like a nose. But anyway, the, the, the idea with the, the body is that the body is terrible. But the body is interconnected. Thank you. You're like, oh, I finally said how bad that joke was. Uh, but the body is, wasn't in my notes. Stick to my notes. Uh, the body is interconnected. It's interconnected, um, like the church is in- interconnected, and the, our bodies are, they are interdependent. We all, we all need every part of our body, and so our body is designed to go places with purpose, and as a group of people, as a family, we're to be a body and actually uh, go places together to understand, like, uh, you know, the needs of one another and the gifts of one another and the call of one another, and so that in unity, we can actually go somewhere together diverse as we are but we're called to you know to actually move we're called to move together but we need one another that's why we're called the body the bride as well but the body just isn't anybody she's a stunner she's good looking like turn to your neighbor and just say man you're good looking 
Thank you for being just, thank you for radiating. You're looking like, you're looking gorgeous like a bride this morning. All you mean. <laughs> it's known as the bride of Christ. It's all a little bit like, oh, that's just weird for some of us, us boys, but we'll just have to get over that. Jesus loves his bride. The Bible said that he laid down his life for us. And, and the posture uh, that he's is given as he has surrendered the Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and he gave his life for the church. And so in giving his life, he gave resurrection power. He gave the fullness of his love for us. And so the church, he is waiting for his bride. He is waiting for his church to respond in the fullness of the love that he's given selflessly and the fullness of his power given selflessly so that we can rise and shine and radiate and radiate, not be bridezillas. Not, no, we're not a bridezilla church. We are a church that is called to arise and shine. And finally, the fourth um, uh, uh, metaphor is the metaphor of the army. So Christ is calling his this family, this body, and his bride to become more, to become like an army. And when you look at the the metaphor of the army, uh, it's it, in Ephesians chapter six. Who's who loves the armor of God's scripture reference, like camping around that, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. The, the shoes of readiness to go, the, the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith. There's this picture that, that the church is actually meant to wear army. It's meant to be purposeful. It's actually meant to advance and attack and defend and take a posture that, does, that doesn't look passive. It actually is something about warfare that the church is called into. And, and Jesus said that His purpose on earth was to destroy the work of the devil. That's what it's about, people. Like that's, you know, it's not to go out and prove that we're more right than all the wrong people out there. It's actually to get in behind uh, and, and be led by the Spirit to take down principalities and powers. Like that's why we have army. That is why we're called an army. We are called to advance. And I was reading in Thessalonians 2 last night, and this is Paul writing, and it's, very, it's really raw because he says, For we wanted to come to you. That was the church in Thessalonians because they needed breakthrough. And it said, Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. Satan actually stands there resisting God's call, purpose, and promise that wants to come through our lives. But Paul was relentless and he just kept going and going and going in the power of God. And it says eventually in the next chapter that Timothy got through to the Thessalonian church and, and encouraged them. And, he, and it says something in there about how he was able to come in and enlarge in their faith, enlarge in their heart, enlarge in their perspective. And so we've got this call and mandate on our life to actually be a people that de are determined to break through on behalf of others, who are called to break through into community, who are called to break through into family, but it's not going to be a picnic. It's not going to be easy peasy lemon squeezy. It's actually, there is a fight and a wrestle, and it's good to rest with God, and sometimes warfare is just resting. 
You know, if we're stressed and we're like, you know, sometimes the best thing to do is to chillax and just rest in God. But other times we are called to stand up, to declare, to break through, to bind things up and see God's power released through our lives. He has given us authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. He wouldn't say things like that in his word if you didn't need to know it. If you didn't need to know it for your life, he wouldn't say you've been given authority. You need to know your authority. I'm sorry, I'm just telling you as it is. It's the Word of God. There's a battle going on, eh? I mean, that's it. There is a battle going on. And so a soldiers respond with authority on a command that they're given. They respond on a command they're given because they understand that they have authority over them and they're releasing the authority that, they've been, that has been entrusted to them but it's a higher authority in the same way we are called to have that authority that Christ has in our lives to advance His love, His power, His grace, His mercy, His authority into all the world. That's what it, that's the, the kingdom is an expression of love. It's, I mean, He says, man, like, I'm love. Like God is love. He doesn't just have a part of love. He is love. He is love. Love. He doesn't have a little bit to give. He's just like, oh, we'll see. We've got a bit of love here. We've got a bit of... No, he's just all love. Whenever he's doing something, it's for the sake of love. So in um, Genesis 13 and 14, I'm just going to go there really shortly. um, There's a picture of what it looks like when a family goes to war. There were these two guys in the Old Testament. They were related. There was Lot and there was Abraham. And Lot was Abraham's nephew. And they did life together. They were doing really good in the whole farm scene, agriculture scene. They had grown their, uh, their, their herds massive. And they're so big, so successful that they decided that they needed to go separate ways and find enough pasture and enough room for their own herd. So they did that. They went their separate, uh, separate ways. And in Genesis 13, 10, it says that Lot took um, a, a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. And then verse 14, after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, look as far as you can see in every direction, north, south, east, and west. I'm giving you all this land to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. It's a good word. He had a word from God about where he was to go. And this was good times for Abram. But Lot actually ended up landing in a conflict zone between the kings in the area. And he was taken captive by the, um, uh, along with the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. They were, like, they were like these cities that were just devoted to destruction and child sacrifice and oh, it's just a dark place. But, but Lot just went uh, and, and he ended up in the middle of that. And, 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 and um, the Hebrew definition for this location that he went to, this place called Zoar, where he ended up, it just means to be small, ignoble, and to be brought low. <laughs> he should have read his Hebrew text before he went there. He didn't discern that where he was going was a bad location. Abram, on the other, he listened to God. He listened. He didn't just look at what looked the best. He listened to God, and God said, go here, and he was totally blessed. So Lot needed a hero. 
He needed someone to enter an uncle uh, Abram again, and he became Lot's hero. And in Genesis 14, it says this. Now, when Abram heard that his brother, which was actually his nephew, but I guess they call him his brother because they were family. Like There was a real bond between nephew and, and um, uncle, it says here. Um, so his brother was taken captive. He armed his 300 and 18th uh, trained servants who were born into his own house, and he went in pursuit as far as Dan. So at this, uh, this point, so Abram has identified that Lot is in deep yogurt. He is in trouble. And so he gathered his whole family together. He, everyone who was born in his family, and he said, let's change this family dynamic. Let's change this mode of operation to, to rescue the one that we love, the one who is called to be a part of us. We just can't keep doing the same stuff and expect a different result. And we know that's the definition of insanity to expect the same thing, uh, to do the same thing and expect different results. Abraham was like, I need to change this environment. We're not just all about doing the dishes and cleaning up after our meals anymore. We're about coming together and moving out with a purpose. So they were all trained, they were actually said they were trained as well, but he conscripted his whole family, everyone who was born into his house, and they went out in pursuit of a lost family member. And in verse 15, it said, He divided his forces against them by night. And he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobiah, which is north of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and he brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. It's an awesome picture of what the church is called to do. To go out, to be a group of people that go beyond their normal function of family, look beyond their own world, realize that we're called to do more than that, to become an army to rescue the ones that, that we love, the ones that we don't yet even know are a part of our family. There's a time when a family needs to go to war. An army is equipped and it's ready to fight shoulder to shoulder. An army is ready to sacrifice their lives for the cause and for one another. And this army that went out to rescue uh, Lot, it wasn't just, wasn't just an army for the sake of an army. It was an army for the sake of family. It was an army that said, hey, I, I, I want to go get your life so that you can be brought back into family. And as a church, like, I, I don't want to get like, overemphasized that we're just an army because we're still a family. Uh, during World War II and the Battle of Britain, London was bombed for 57 consecutive nights and over 40,000 civilians were killed in this uh, period. But, and then for about two years, from 1939 to 1941, Winston Churchill, was the Prime Minister of England at that time, constantly pleaded with America to get involved with the fight against the Nazis. An American journalist uh, reported that watching Britain suffer in battles and in constant air raids that decimated cities was like watching a neighbor's house burn down while holding a fire hose. In 1941, the American president, Roosevelt, sent one of his most trusted advisors to Europe to get a sense of the situation on the ground. His name was Harry Hopkins. 
Uh, Roosevelt was under immense domestic uh, pressure at the time not to enter the war. And he, but if he knew that Britain and Russia collapsed, the history of the world would never be altered. And so he was under pressure to not enter the war because the Nazi movement had actually done a lot of incredible things in Germany. Germany was in depression, and they were, and, and Hitler was able to get that country out of depression. They built autobahns, like new roading systems. And so the rest of the civilized world was looking on Germany and saying, these guys are a benchmark for our civilization. But right through the 30s, the 1930s, Winston Churchill, he just knew what Hitler was up to. He knew there was something sinister going on, but he, and he stood alone through the 30s, and, and all the other politicians, actually even in England, said, no, we're not with you. And they tried to appease Hitler and get him on, and get um, him to, to make an agreement with them, but Churchill stood against him. So Harry met Churchill and was given a tour of the armed capabilities of the British Army. He went to London, and his mission was to report on how badly American inter intervention was needed. So on the last night of the, the visit, Churchill and Hopkins were given dinner at Glasgow in Scotland, and after dinner, Hopkins replied. He said, I suppose you wish to know what I'm going to say to President Roosevelt on my return. He said, well, I'm going to quote you one verse from that book of books from Ruth 1.16. And he said, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And then he added very quietly, even to the end. And at this point, like Winston Churchill was in tears because he knew what he meant. He was saying, let your problems be my problems. Let your tears be my tears. Let your dreams be my dreams. And from that moment on, with a, well, moment, but from that time on, the Americans actually ended uh, fighting alongside the British armies and, and the other allies, and they, they helped. They were the game changer that actually liberated Europe at that time because they decided to own the problems and the dreams of England as their own. It's pretty epic, isn't it, what happened? It's an amazing that partnership that America had with Britain to actually see a victory realized. And, you know, there's a lot of churches on this world that just, in this world, and, and, and we could be one of them, that just stay as a nice family. It's just like it's a good thing to do on a Sunday, but they never actually reach out and go beyond and bring change and transformation into regions or into nations because they just stayed as a comfortable family. And we've all got our stuff, you know, like we're all, you know, we've all got loose ends in our lives and we've all got unmet Maybe, maybe we've, some of us have got unmet needs. Maybe we've got disappointments that we're carrying and, and that kind of thing. You know, that's, that's life. Someone was saying to me yesterday, you know, we actually end up spending our lives in the valley. Like we're not actually meant to live on the mountaintops. 
And in the valley, it's the tough place. In the valley, that's where you're walking through the, the water and, and you don't quite see where you're going at times. So life is, is not an easy journey, but we are called to look beyond ourselves. And as we look beyond ourselves, as we look into the lives of others, we'll actually start noticing that some of our problems aren't actually that big a deal. We're called, I believe, to look beyond the walls of a church and go, you know, let your problems be my problems. Let your frustrations be my, my frustrations. Let me partner with you to bring the gospel of love into your world. I want us to be a family church, but I want us to be a kind of family that goes beyond the walls, that goes to war, that we're called to fight as fathers and mothers for the, for the lost generation that is actually around us. We are a, we're a region of 50,000 people. That I don't know if there's 1,500 people that would attend churches on a Sunday morning, but we've got a very small footprint in this region of the kingdom of love. Like We've got some great things happening here in the church. Don't get me wrong. I, I love our love for one another, and that's so good, but we are called to more, and I just I know I'm called to declare that. We're called to more. We're called to go. We're called to be light. We're called to be salt. We're called to be ones who are actually going to, uh, you know, champion like the Olympic runner does with a torch, announcing that the Olympics are on the way. We're called to run with a torch to announce the kingdom of God. It says in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said this as a commander, that all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in this hour, we have an invitation to respond to Jesus. We have an invitation to baptize our region in truth. To a, the word baptism, it means to immerse. It means to put under and dunk, not just to sprinkle a bit of water on. And it means that we're actually called to our culture to see our culture come under the presence of God, to come under the love of God, and to come under the goodness of a father that loves them. That's our mandate to be, uh, be people who are called to baptize a region. So just to make this real kind of practical and a bit more like less out there for us as a church, we've got two priority goals as a church this year. And this is our, our one is to see uh, families and the region transformed by the power of the gospel. And that is a now goal. I want that to be a goal for us every year. That's not just a goal for next year, because we can always be thinking and living, you know, like, oh, yeah, that'll happen one day when someone gets around to it. <laughs> the round to it. We don't want any round to it's here. We want to be a now church. We want to see those who are called to the ones and to the people around us who said, you know, I'll pray for you. I'll stand for you. I'll support you. We're called to that now. That is a now goal for us. And the second one I already mentioned this morning, as a church, we, we, we believe that we are in this season called to buy land, to get a bigger building. And that's not for the sake of a bigger building and a higher steeple to say, look how great we are. This is about creating room for the gospel of love and for people to come in and experience the grace and the truth of Jesus Christ. So I'm, I'm calling you guys in to a season of preparation for breakthrough. I believe this is a time for us to prepare 
for breakthrough. Now, breakthrough is awesome. When you're talking about kingdom breakthrough, we're talking about, you know, healing, restoration. We're talking about love invading our lives. We're talking about finances being released to us, favor in our community. We're talking about a far better place than what we are before we had breakthrough. Like breakthrough is about a good thing. And so I want to just call you up to get expectant in your spirit that God wants to do something for you, through you, and in you. Like that is, that's the essence what Breakthrough is about. So I want to introduce you to Breakthrough 21. This is coming uh, on the 1st to the 21st of May. And we're going to position ourselves for God's hand of grace and power to release the breakthroughs that we're looking for in our families, in our personal lives, in our church, and in our community. And so over these 21 days, we want to encourage you to lean into the Father's best purposes for you in this season. Like Abraham pursued Lot, it was for the sake of Lot's breakthrough. He didn't actually even pursue him for himself. He went out and he pursued Lot until he caught him and his breakthrough was realized when he brought him back into his family. I want to encourage you to be ones who pursue God's best for your life. And we want to encourage you at this time, as it says in Ephesians 3.17, it says that we're together with all the saints is where we discover God's power and His love in greater ways than we, what we could ever do by ourselves. So we want to do this together because we can go places together that we can't go as individuals. So I just want to encourage you to spend time with God over this next week and just ask Him, how is He calling me to lean into Him over this 21-day period? How's he, is He calling us to leave the familiar things behind and put them aside so I can just focus on the one, focus on the one who, has, who holds our lives in His hands? He's the one who knows the number of our days. He's the one who has your destiny earmarked. He's the one who cares more about you than anyone else on this planet. So in summary, there's two essentials I want to ask you to do to prepare for breakthrough. Number one is to be prepared to respond. Faith positions us to walk into places that are unknown. Living by faith essentially commits us to the unknown being uncomfortably comfortable with your situation. Being uncomfortably comfortable where the Holy Spirit is leading you. Do you know that one of the Holy Spirit's names is the Comforter? And if we want to be responsive to God with our lives, we need to learn how to be comfortable with change. Do you know the familiar things in our lives? They're comfortable. Like it's reassuring at the end of the day when you drive up your driveway that your house isn't on fire and burning down. It's there. It's familiar. It's present. So familiar things in our lives, they're important. They're like good, and I'm not encouraging you just to like just be a crazy person and, and not value those things that God's put in your life. But He's calling us to come out of just the comfort of the familiar and to get comfortable with the life of faith that every single one of you is called to. The life of faith is not just for those who hold a microphone on a Sunday and preach or do worship or something. Everyone is called to the life of faith in Christ Jesus. 
Hebrews 11 verse 12, it says, By faith Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. He was just responding to God's call on his life. The second thing I want to ask you to do is a bit of this. To follow closer and love stronger. To follow Jesus closely at this time. This is essentially what this is all about, to follow closer and to love stronger so that internally we're strengthened, internally we're encountered by God's grace, so externally we reveal what's happening in our internal life. Like, do you know how valuable you are? Do you know how treasured you are? Do you know that you have destiny and purpose on your life? That very, those promises alone strengthen our core. They give us purpose and significance, and we should be positioning our lives around our call, around our identity in Jesus, above what we're seeing with our own eyes. And as we follow Jesus closer, and we will... Uh, we will only love stronger with the love that He has put into our hearts and into our lives. You know, when Jesus was choosing His disciples, He didn't say, hey, just watch me. Hey, oh, look, well, let's meet up next week on a Sunday and do church together. And you can watch me preach at you and you are my disciple. He didn't say that. He said, follow me. He said, follow my ways, follow my responses, follow the way I pray, follow the way I look to the Father, follow my life. And so I want to encourage you, church, to be ones who follow Him, follow Him out of the door today, follow Him into your workplace, follow Him into your school, follow Him into your recreation, just follow Him. Like on, a, on a Thursday, my, my day off is actually a Friday. And on a Thursday, some, some Fridays, like when you're working and you're pouring your life out, I don't know about you, but on your day off, you just feel like a head case. <laughs> and so I decided to put an alarm on my phone, an alert on my phone on a Thursday. And it just says, invite Father God into my day off. Invite Him in. Invite Him in. Because it's easy just to go on holiday or have a day off and just do it without God. And I want to invite Him into my recreation. I want to be the, He's got to be the one that is recreating me. He's got to be the one that's leading me in that way. And I want to encourage everyone just to, to follow Him to follow Him in every way. This is what Breakthrough 21 about. And so we want to encourage you over this time to stand up in your authority in Christ and join with us in prayer and in fasting maybe even. And this isn't just to twist God's arm uh, so that you get what you want, but this is to create space to draw near to Him, to encounter Him and to discover where His kingdom is leading us personally, where the breakthrough is leading you to personally and as a church. And so for fasting, for some of you, this might actually mean God might actually ask you to go without food for a part of this time or all of this time. You'd be amazing. Uh, and and, and uh, um, Or it may be a Daniel fast where you're like, okay, just eat these certain things. Maybe you're called to go without TV or Facebook or social media for some of this time, but we want you to decide what this fast, what this prayer looks like with God. And it's going to look different for everyone, but it's about this. In James 4, it says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Draw near to God and He will draw 
draw near to you. Just wonder if we could all stand right now. I just want to invite the band up this morning. Hmm. Maybe if we just have a few of the house lights down at this time. I want to encourage you to be like Abram today, not to be like Lot, who just looked it looked at the surround, looked at kind of his best options with his natural eyes, but he actually ended up in Zoar, a place where he was crushed, his dreams was crushed, and he ended up in a small space. But Abraham, he stayed close to the Father, and he didn't just move out, but he moved, he responded to the Father's voice, and he waited for his word. And so if there's some people here today that just, maybe you just have never responded by faith to God, Maybe you've just been leaning on the faith of others around your life. Responding in faith and by faith, it's a total, it might be a totally new experience for you. And I want to reassure you that it's not going to be easy. <laughs> You're going to have to tell your flesh to shut up. You're going to have to probably get over yourself. Because you're actually called to be led by your spirit not by your mind. You're actually called to have the eyes of your heart opening up to Him so that you could see where He's leading you. And I know that there's some people here today who just find it, like you're in a place where you're just like, man, I just never have the certainty about where I'm called to in life. I always feel uncertain about whether I've done enough or whether I'm good enough or whether I'm educated enough. And maybe you even compare yourself to others and you've disqualified yourself through the eyes of yourself, but you're looking through other eyes when Christ's vision for you never disqualifies you. He only calls you up. He only calls you out. But you're called to respond by faith. You're called to, to flex that faith muscle in your life. And so I want to ask you this morning, who's ready to respond to God in this season? Are you ready to respond to be ones who go beyond and come out of the familiar Come out of the old. Maybe come out of the dusty place. Come out of the rusty place. Or maybe you're here today and you know you've got things in your life that are so precious to you, like the family and, and maybe you know that they're God's gifts to you, but they just feel a bit old. They just feel a bit stale. This morning, God wants to breathe His new life on you. Amen. Breath on you. As the Bible says that His mercies are new every day. That you're a new creation. That you, you, you're brand new. Therefore, the things that we have in our lives, we can look at with a perspective of hope and identity and, and future and wonder and thankfulness. If you just know that that's you today and you just want to come in and see your life in a new light, you're called to respond right now. You're called to respond. And I just want to, as we sing this last song, as we receive His reign, 
I just wonder this morning if you would have the courage to come up the front and just open your life to Christ, not to Glenn, not to impress anyone, and, 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 to, look, and to even move beyond thinking about what would others think about me? What, you know, just don't care. Just be carefree in this season. It's between you and the Holy Spirit. It's between you and the Father, between you and Jesus. So just as we sing this, if you just know that you want to come into the freshness of God in this season, I just want to ask you to come to the front right now. Just like come to the front and just receive His freshness. Receive His empowerment. Receive His reign. Thanks for listening. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz.